Shit We've Read is brought to you by Oblivion Geeks in partnership with Bilo Network. Please visit shitweavered.com to support the show. Now, let's talk about some books. Now, before we begin this episode of Shit We've Read, I do have to warn that there is a good chance one of my co-hosts will poison me during this episode. That will make a lot more sense when we dive into the book. That said, <laughs> welcome to this episode of Shit We've Read, the sci-fi fantasy book podcast hosted by some geeky friends. My name is Jason Rico, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Laura Benson. Hello. And we're joined by our good friend, who I'm very excited to have on the episode with us. She is a legislative advocate and a fellow book nerd, Bella Romero. Hi, Bella. Hi, Rico. Hi, Laura. Hi. How are you doing today? You know, pretty good. Got a slight buzz going, so hopefully this goes pretty well. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for being with us. Yeah. Yeah. Super excited I'm, to have I'm you. I'm mostly kidding. It was natural wine, so does it really count? Um. <laughs> no. This is a drunk book podcast, right? Like this, right? We didn't say it's not, so it could be. All right. I mean, Jason started that last episode uh, i think that's true i, I came or, in, or in our yeah our episode with emma yeah Absolutely. i came in i came in a little hot but <laughs> as i we, guess it's as, my turn yeah. as we always say tequila is agua so you're just drinking water i was staying hydrated yeah exactly it's hot in california it's hot here in sacramento it's like over 100 degrees gotta drink oh, a lot yeah. of water it's pretty bad right now <laughs> okay uh, would you probably <laughs> mention at least what book we're talking about today uh, the Lost Apothecary by Sarah Penner, which is a historical but also slash contemporary fiction uh, mystery. Full disclosure, when we were picking a book, we totally thought this was a fantasy book for some reason. Uh, Goodreads listed it as fantasy. It had fantasy-esque vibes in the synopsis. Some elements. And and so we like, perfect. We do sci-fi fantasy. Let's read it. And then Laura, you read it first and you're like, yeah, this isn't a fantasy. <laughs> I was like, nope. Oops. It's okay. <laughs> That's okay. It happens. That's all right. But. It's what happens when you just judge a book by its Goodreads reviews. You know. <laughs> well, you mean That's everything. That's saying goes, right? Everything on the internet isn't true. Um, crowdsourced information is often wrong. I hope you know that, Rico. <laughs> Wait, next would be telling me there aren't princes in Africa that need to check for me or something? Um, <laughs> yes, there are. And if you get an email in like five minutes, it's not for me. Um, and just send the money. Perfect. Sounds right. good. Will do. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> what comes next usually? Let's talk about some other stuff that we are reading because we like to read. So I just want to know, other than this book, Laura, what have you recently read? Um, I actually just randomly happened to take a break from reading novels. And I started, I don't know why I picked this, but I started binge reading Eggnoid on the Webtoon app. I went to find a synopsis, which I just literally before we started recording found the Eggnoid is actually listed on Goodreads, so I can show that I read this now. But the synopsis there just says, when a handsome guy comes out from an egg and starts calling you mom. <laughs> what? Another great example of Goodreads gone wrong. 
<laughs> Look, you know, a lot of synopsis on Goodreads are, are way too long. I'm going to argue that one not long enough. No. I feel like no, I need just a little no. more information. No, but I... There so wasn't I, a character limit. So what were they doing? Yeah, it's like, quick. Synopsis, 20 characters, go. <laughs> no, but I did, I did just... I looked it up on Webtoons to see what it is. Um, but basically, uh, it says, When Ran wakes up to a giant egg by her bed the morning after being rejected by her longtime crush, she has no idea what to do. To make things weirder, a handsome man emerges out of the egg and starts calling her mom. As Ran and Aggie grow closer, she starts questioning their relationship. Is she really his mom? So it's kind of about him. Basically, he's like starts out acting like a like a child, and then he grows up quickly mentally, and then you just you find out more about like where he's coming from, like where he came from, and. Why is he there? Why did he appear in her room and stuff like that? And it, I thought it was just going to be like a cutesy, like stupid little side story to read once in a while when I just want to, you know, turn off my brain. But it ended up actually being a lot deeper than I expected. So now I'm like totally sucked in. It's like I want to say like over maybe like 300 episodes or something like that. They call them episodes. And I'm only on like 50. So I have a ways to go. Wow. Okay. Yeah, we've been busy. Uh, but I'm enjoying it. <laughs> Good. Awesome. That's, that sounds very interesting. I'm gonna have to look this up when we're done with this. There's a lot more to it that does that is that falls into my type of you know genres, but I also don't want to really like spoil it for anyone else that might read gotcha. it. Gotcha. All right. No spoilers. <laughs> well, cool. Uh, Bella, are you reading anything else? Yeah, so I mean, I'm a grad student, so most of what I've read, nobody's going to want to read. So I'm just gonna gloss over that, even though it was 99% of my life from January to May was just a lot of reading. Um, but actually, most recently, I forgot that I'm part of another book club. Um, and this <laughs> is <laughs> often forget because we go about two or three months in between like reading the book and meeting, and I'm usually reading the book. I don't know, about three days before we actually meet. Oh, like um, me for this one. Yeah, like me for this one too. Um, <laughs> I, I procrastinate my book reading because, of course, I'm a speed reader. Um, I read about 100 pages an hour. So I, yeah, I read, really, I read really fast. So for me, I'm like, oh, I could do that in three days. And then I'm usually reading up until book club like I did today. I finished at about 6.15 p.m. When like you're that, not procrastinating. You're just making sure that it's fresh in your mind it, to talk about. It's very fresh. I have a lot of thoughts on this ending. Perfect. I'll hold that for a minute. The most recent book that I read was actually another mystery. Um, I even put a little bit thriller, um, psychological thriller, which was really interesting to read as a book. I would liken this to like kind of like Big Little Lies, um, that Nicole Kidman show on HBO Max, like very like unreliable narrator what's going on, who actually remembers slash knows what's happening, who's telling the truth kind of mystery. Um, and a lot of um, red herrings, a lot of red herrings in this book. <laughs> a lot of like, oh, it's definitely this guy. Oh, wait, it could be that person now. Um, so really interesting. Also set in England, uh, which was a very interesting theme for me. I tend to like a lot of English set novels. So this was on par. I didn't pick this book again with my book club. Um, and I don't actually want to give too much of a synopsis because 
there's a lot in the plot that could give or a lot in the synopsis that could give away the plot. So I'm just going to keep it as like murder mystery um, with some Greek mythology mixed in. Um, so if you're familiar with Greek mythology, there's some really interesting themes in this book and uh, definitely unreliable narrator. Really, really well done. Um, and also kind of that mixing of timelines that happens um, similar to this book. So they were really parallel, like in my, when we get to the end, like highly recommend this book. If you like our review of The Lost Apothecary, highly recommend you read The Silent Patient by didn't write the author down. Um, <laughs> I looked up his name. Uh, he's actually a screenwriter, fun fact. And he intentionally wrote this book as a book and does not want it to go onto the screen. So I thought that was a really interesting fact. And Rico, I did think of you in that moment because it does it does read like a book, but you can tell somebody was in the film TV mindset. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's a really interesting book. Highly recommend. You said, I'm sorry, it was The Silent Patient? Yeah, it's like uh, Arthur... Is it Alex Michaelitis, I think? Alex My Michaelides, or it's it's Greek. Yeah, so it's kind of a weird saying. But yeah, Silent Patient. Very good. Excellent. I'm really bad at like remembering authors' names. I just grab these books and I'm like, it was really good. Who needs authors, right? Like, they, don't even care. they just write the books. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see. So for me, what I have been reading recently, other than this book, is um, an advanced reader copy from NetGalley called No Gods, No Monsters by Cadwell Turnbull. Um, I don't have the synopsis in front of me, but it, it's hard to explain, honestly, what I've read so far. I'm about halfway through. And it started off very much like a social slash racial commentary on um, race in America. And then it kind of dove into very fantasy paranormal vibes and then took like a hard turn into horror and is also a mystery. So it's really hard for me to like know where it's going, but I'm loving that. It's, it's, it's a fun ride so far. Um, it was on my list that I was going to read. I think it comes out in September. So I was going to read it then, but I was able to get an advanced copy. So I'm reading it now and I'm really excited and I'm loving it so far. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm reading. Cool. That might be on my must read list now. That sounds really interesting. Yeah, but I'll send it to you. Is it more scary than Jurassic Park, the novel, <laughs> or less? So far less. Okay, so I can read it because I had to put that book yeah. in the freezer. No, no, Joey and friends. No, no. so far um, it was this one I moment. I have not finished Jurassic Park, the novel. Uh, for our readers out there, I am that. I am that person. I've never, um, I've never read it. I think it's terrifying. It? Yeah, I'm a really bad gauge for horror because my bar is so low. Oh, I actually okay. never read it either. Oh wow, yeah. you're like the Jurassic Park nerd. Did you? Just you? Yeah, then do, the, why did you say it was less scary than the book if you haven't I read realized the book? after you asked that you said the book. I thought you just said Jurassic Park. It's when I answered, no. he's like, oh, you mean the novel. No, yeah, the yeah. novel's I more <laughs> No, but also I, have, I know people who read it and, and I know it's a little more intense than the movies. Yeah. So if I'm using the movie as a gauge, then the book I'm reading is definitely less than that so far. So okay. far. Again, I'm only That's about right. halfway through. There's only been one scene where horror-esque but not too scary mm -hmm. 
so we'll I am, see. I am going to judge you for not reading Jurassic Park, but <sighs> look, thank you for that honest review. Yeah, look, I'm going to cut this anyway, so no one's going to know, but... Um, <laughs> It's one of those books <laughs> where... Fucking censoring us. <laughs> it's one of those wow. books that I've always wanted to read. <laughs> no. Uh, I'll leave this in. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, it's one of those books I've always wanted to read, but because I feel like I've watched the movie so many times, I, I feel like I'd just be rehashing the story. I, I'm sorry. Do you say that about Harry Potter or uh, is that just... Is that just an exception to the rule? But I'd already read those when the movies times. came out. And you no, I've only, read the, I've only read the books well, once. Wait, you only read the books once? Yeah, I've only I, read them now once. Now we're going on a tangent. This is another podcast episode. <laughs> I, I very rarely... Are you a real Harry Potter fan? I've, How many times I rarely, do you read the books? I very rarely reread books. And if I do, it's only like to um, prep myself for like the next one in a series. Mm-hmm. I'm... You've shocked me to my core. I don't know if I can continue on. Is, okay, is well, thanks Jurassic so much for listening. <laughs> episode over. No, is the Jurassic Park book like the original story? Like, is the yeah. movie a re or yeah. a? Yeah, it was based on the book. Okay, yeah. it's an adaptation. Is it? Well, I mean, if it's if it's that way, then you're probably fine reading it because it's probably going to have its differences. I'll right. read it. Right, right, no. Maybe we'll do an episode later and we all read it. It is on my list. I will get to it. I'll only be able to comment on about 75% of the book. Oh, come on. You you can't do this. To be fair, I will finish it before Bella. (laughs) It's just really scary. (laughs) It's very suspenseful. I'm not going to read it until next year, but I will still finish it before Bella. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, mine mine will have to thaw first uh, before I can read it. So, um, yeah, Rico might finish it before me. I well, have to chisel it out of the block of ice in my <laughs> Well, if any of our listeners have read it, I would love to know what they thought of that book. I would love to know, is the book better than the movie? And is the book scarier than the movie, in their opinions? That's what I need to know. The answer to the first one is yes, the book's always better than the movie. I don't need to read the book to know it's better than the movie. It was it was pretty good. I mean, it's a good movie, but I, I only imagine the book's better. It was pretty good. That's just like a universal truth. The, the fact that I was terrified while reading the book and was like looking for velociraptors in my house um, is a good indicator of how immersive that book was. Also, Malcolm is a very different character in the book. He's much more of an asshole. Um, so I'm kind of glad that we didn't get that version because obviously he's iconic. I, mean, I have I have heard that there's big differences. Yeah. Um, anyhow, we have gone off the rail. That was a huge, we were not here for Jurassic Park at all. No, we, we, we took <laughs> um, a wrong turn at Albuquerque. This um, is a bonus episode. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's get back to the book that we're supposed to be talking about, which is The Lost Apothecary. Um, Laura, do you want to give us a synopsis on what this book was about? Sure. I will read uh, from Goodreads here. A forgotten history, a secret network of women, a legacy of poison and revenge. Welcome to the Lost Apothecary. Hidden in the depths of 18th century London, a secret apothecary shop caters to an unusual kind of clientele. Women across the city whisper of a mysterious figure named Nella who sells well-disguised poisons to use against the oppressive men in their lives. 
but the apothecary's fate is jeopardized when their newest patron, a precocious 12-year-old, makes a fatal mistake, sparking a string of consequences that echo through the centuries. Meanwhile, in present-day London, aspiring historian Caroline Parswell spends her 10th wedding anniversary alone, running from her own demons. When she stumbles upon a clue to the unsolved apothecary murders that haunted London 200 years ago, her life collides with the apothecaries in a stunning twist of fate, and not everyone will survive. With crackling suspense, unforgettable characters, and searing insight, The Lost Apothecary is a subversive and intoxicating debut novel of secrets, vengeance, and the remarkable ways women can save each other despite the barrier of time. Right on. So before we get into anything too spoilery, just right off the bat, I want to ask you both overall, what did you think of this book? Bella, as our guest, if you'd like to go first, go for it. Sure. Um... I would say that the synopsis was a little bit misleading for me. So I was a little bit let down kind of overall, um, but there were definitely elements of it that I liked um, without getting too spoilery. Um, I think my favorite character was probably, uh, that's a great question, maybe Gaynor, Gaynor, however you say her name. Yeah, um, Gaynor. Who's a Gaynor, pretty minor character and that that was my favorite one. So that kind of tells you a little bit about the plot for me that I just really wasn't quite as enamored with our main characters as I had thought based on the synopsis. Gotcha. All right. Laura, what'd you think? I enjoyed it overall. I, I didn't really go into this with very many expectations. Um, I just, I was very intrigued by the idea of, um, you know, history meeting the present and, you know, it's just kind of a, a cool idea of, of being able to solve something like that that's, you know, that old. Um, and just having to do with um, women essentially, you know, poisoning slash murdering these men in their lives. I was like, I, I'm really interested to see where this is going to go. Um, and I, I thought it I th – I thought – it was well done, um, though it, it could have definitely been more, <laughs> if that made any sense. Sure. All right. I also enjoyed it overall. Um, I think because, Laura, you had mentioned before I even started that it wasn't actually a fantasy. I think I kind of went into it a little more open-minded because I didn't really know what I was getting myself into anymore. I think if I had read it anticipating a fantasy, I may have been disappointed um, but because it was like, okay, well, I don't know what this is. It's just historical fiction, I guess. Um, I did like the overall story. Um, I really like stories that are like Victorian and, and not that this necessarily is. I think the time periods are different. Um, but it kind of had elements of, you know, like these, these darker kind of Edgar Allan Poe vibes of these women who are, you know, poisoning men and, and I kind of like that dark atmospheric part of the book. Um, and then the, the contemporary part of Caroline kind of unraveling this mystery. Um, it was okay. I, I, um, I think I, I just liked the, the, the 1791 story more than the Caroline part. Although, Bella, I, I totally agree with you that I really liked Gaynor as a character. Yeah. She, she was great. 
I, I actually, I want to add on to my review because I think sure. I can say a little bit more without giving spoilers. Um, <laughs> so I've read a lot of mystery with my other book club. So this mystery definitely felt very easy and predictable. The modern one. The I agree with you. I did prefer the 1791 storyline. Or wait, was it 1791? I believe so. Okay, 1791 storyline, a lot more. Um, Nella was really interesting. Um, Eliza kind of annoyed me at times, and I'll get more into that when we give the spoiler alert. Um, but yeah, I, it definitely felt very easy for Caroline kind of unraveling a 200 plus year old mystery um, with very little to go off of. <laughs> um, but I'll kind of stop it. I'll stop it there. And we'll, we'll deep dive. <laughs> Please. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Those are initial thoughts. I think now we're going to get into the spoiler territory. Unless anybody has anything else to say, no? Let's do spoilers. <laughs> All right. So if you're listening and you do not want this book ruined for any reason, now's the time to turn back. Get into spoilers. You have been warned. Uh, to go along also with the spoiler warning, I do want to say that this book does include certain elements um, that could be sensitive for certain people. Um, so I do want to give a couple of content warnings for, Trigger. yes, for, for things that we might cover in our discussion. Um, and these are from the author uh, herself. Um, the warnings include uh, infidelity and divorce ideation, bodily effects of poisoning and also blood, um, recalls past miscarriages. There is brief predatory behavior against against an adolescent. Um, it, the book itself isn't too graphic about that. Um, mm -hmm. And there's also brief suicide ideation. Um, I think that's it. So, again, if uh, you may be sensitive to any of that, just tread carefully. Uh, we'll try not to go into any of that too much unless it's relevant. All right. Spoilers. Um, Bella... <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, mm -hmm. if you'd like. Um, do you want to just give us an overall summary of the book itself, of the actual storyline, if uh, you which, can? Which storyline, first of all? All of it, uh, the entire book. which point of view <laughs> am I talking about? However um, you'd like to do this. We'll jump <laughs> right. in if you need help. Excellent. So this book has two storylines and three points of views, first person point of views. Uh, the first one, I'm going to start with the easiest one, the modern day Caroline, uh, American tourist in London, classic, um, definitely reads that way. I would say that uh, the summary of London that we get is very much like the big red bus tour of London. <laughs> um, it kind of reminded me of like Taylor Swift's um, London boy song. Like it's like all the like main highlights of London that anyone could recognize. Um, so if you know anything about London, you'll be able to follow this book really easily. <laughs> um, <laughs> talk, talk all about the big sites, Big Ben, Tower of London, etc. Um, so American tourist in London. Um, she's just found out um, that her husband of 10 years, this is their 10-year wedding anniversary trip, um, cheated on her. And of course, she goes on this big adventure to find herself, doesn't bring him along. Um, on the very first day is, you know, very raw with emotion, uh, has to throw away the romantic itinerary that she had planned and stumbles upon a mudlarking group. And this is where the adventure begins. She finds an old 
uh, glass vial that um, Big Alf. Wait, what's his name? Is yeah, it Alf. I, I believe his name is Alf. Batch- Bachelor. Bachelor Alf. Bachelor Alf. Bachelor yeah, Alf. Yeah, Bachelor Alf um, identifies as a possible apothecary bottle, probably very, very old. Uh, very interesting, unique find, but nothing valuable. But Caroline is a history major, which we hear multiple times in this book, um, in case you forget. Um, <laughs> she is very interested in the stories of unknown people, the ones who didn't make it into the history books and just the everyday mundane lives. So she starts following this mystery. Bachelor Alf sends her off to his daughter, Gaynor. G- Gaynor? Gaynor. G- Gaynor? Mm-hmm. God, I can't say her name right. Um, Gaynor uh, over at the <laughs> British Library. <laughs> The uh, only reason I know how to say it is because I listened to par- parts of the audiobook. <laughs> me too, but I was like, God damn it, I don't remember how she it's, said it's, it. It's, her first name is like Gloria Gaynor, the, the disco yeah. singer. So Gaynor. Gaynor. Gaynor is her superhero name. Oh, great. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Thank you, Rico, You're comic okay. nerd. Uh, <laughs> nerd. Hey. Uh, I just need a button. <laughs> I'm just, I'm teasing. I'm the biggest nerd out there. Come on. Okay. So we meet Gaynor in the British Library, um, who is actually, fun fact, Bachelor Alf's daughter, um, sends her there. I actually thought this was setting up a lesbian love story. And I was Me really, too. I was I really disappointed. Too. Okay, I'm I really was glad too. I wasn't the only I'm one. I'm a little I'm disappointed, always, no. I was like, she's been married since she was in, co- like, since right after college. This is her big solo adventure without her man. Comments on how beautiful she is. Mm-hmm. Instantly hit it Wonder- off. Instantly yeah. hit it off. And Gaynor is like, I don't know why my dad sent you here. I can't, I'm not of much help. I'm a map expert. She works at the map desk in the British Library. So I was like, I think Bachelor Alf has a good gaydar and was trying to set them up. But spoiler alert, no. nothing happens. No. In case you thought this was a queer book, it is not. We were disappointed. Um, I was. I actually like wrote this down. I was like, question mark, question mark. Um, so that doesn't happen. So she starts following the vial, following the story. And so this is when I'll kind of bring in Nella and Eliza's story. So they each tell different parts of the 1791 storyline. Very interesting. Nella's older for that time. She's in her 40s. So she's after childbearing age, runs this apothecary that previously her mother ran that helped women um, like with childbirth, PMS, postpartum. Um, kind of anything under the sun that a woman might need assistance with and like only women like she did not help with men's issues because all the doctors were male so she felt that there was a niche for you know these womenly health problems which i was just like yes um good good for you (laughs) um thank god there so it felt a little bit of a feminist storyline which Mm -hmm. is pretty cool very modern of her um it was easy to read so if anyone was concerned about that definitely very easy to read um, no minimal translation needed. Um, they do a very good job of like defining the herbs and and the terms that she's using, like in context. Um, but yeah, so Nella is an apothecaryist, apothecarian. I don't. That's the term. I th- I think as I was reading, I think apothecary is also the title the for the person. Okay. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I was getting. Okay. So she's an apothecary, um, and she. Uh, gets this client, Eliza, who's come to get a poison for her mistress because Nella is secretly also a distributor of poisons. 
uh, to women, only women, and they are not to be used against women because her overall mission is to help women. Um, And she really does stand by that, but that does get us to the conflict later on. So remember that fact. Um, And Eliza's this young girl, very young, very curious, asks a lot of questions, very fascinated, thinks that Apothecary is also a magician of magics, spelled M-I-G-I-C-K, which was kind of cool. Um, that was probably the only maybe historical element of the language <laughs> that they spelled magics this way. Um, so fun fact. Um, and yeah, so she thinks that the apothecary is a magic shop. Um, and Nella has to correct that a couple of times. Like, no, this is not magics. This is all very natural. Eliza definitely has some superstition in her that comes out later on. Um, and she gets the poison for her mistress whose husband is, uh, eyeballing Eliza, who's about 12 years old. So this is that predatory trigger. Mm-hmm. Um, Eliza's kind of just coming into her womanhood, actually gets her period, which is, I would love to talk to you guys about that, um, gets her period uh, after the murder. So they murder the husband successfully. Everything goes fine. Um, and then Eliza does return for, what does she return for again? It's a great question. She comes back. She she comes back because her mistress has left to that's quote right, to unquote grieve. mourn. Yes, that's right. Okay, so she does come back to the shop. So this is not the last of Nella and Eliza. Um, she comes back. They've successfully murdered her mistress. Is mourning her husband, so she's gone off to the country. And Eliza is feeling really guilty. She got her period, but mistakes it for like the soul of her master haunting her and punishing her for the crime. Um, but it's just her period because there's no education on women's health. And what, um, she, she does get her period like the, the exact same night. It's like that, that night. That the guy dies. They murder it's him. Like, they find out like he's it's dead. It's like almost immediately. So her yeah. being superstitious. they come down and they said he's dead and she had and just started. And she's sitting on the couch and gets up and there's blood in between yeah. her legs and underneath her. And, and her mistress kind of says like, oh, it's just the passing of moons. Yeah. She's like, what does that mean? I'm it is. Is it the moons of the lord coming through me like the the lord who just mur- was murdered yeah her mistress doesn't help at her all her mistress no. is very like no. you know euphemisms and a lot of flowery language um so she comes back to nala to see if she can work for her because again she's like this is magics this is an apothecary like i will find magics she comes to nala asking for a magical cure to get rid of the she thinks she's possessed to get rid of the possession to get rid of the soul and Nella tries to explain to her very logically, like that, you know, ghosts don't exist. These sort of hauntings don't exist. Tries to talk her out of it. Um, while they're hanging out, another client, Nella's waiting for another client who shows up. And this client wants to murder a woman, wants to murder the mistress of her husband. And this is where we kind of tie back to that modern day story that the apothecary bottle that Caroline found had a bear on it. And that's the only thing that Nella's store is identifiable by is that the glass bottles all have bear etchings on them so this comes into play too um so back to 1791 we have nella's client hanging out describing the murder and then mentions it's a woman and nella says i can't help you i can't do anything for you i don't murder women and she's like well i'm gonna rat you out to the authorities and you're going to get be murdered and your shop's gonna close and you'll no longer be able to help women So Nella decides to continue with the poison and they make the poison and Caroline is putting this all together in modern day times, um, kind of 
tracing it through like newspaper clippings, through like these bulletins, uh, just through everything that she can find through the British Library. Interestingly enough, they find a lot of very direct sources with very clear evidence of what happened, which does not feel accurate. Like the bottle has a bear on it. So she figures out, oh, it must be Bear Alley. Like, how did you know that? How did you figure that out? Like, that was one of the first things they kind of thought of. And then because she searches like bear, comma, apothecary, comma, London, comma, 1800s. Um, and then I think drops it down to like the 18th century and finds it really easily. And then she goes back to the maps and they overlay maps with Gaynor and find the bear alley. It still exists. It's the only <laughs> alley that still has its old name. Oh, my God. How convenient. Um, it just all seemed very easy for her to put that together. There are a lot of leaps that you have to make. There are a lot for of for this book, and just not suspend, question. You just, you just go with it. Suspend some disbelief <laughs> yeah. um, while you're reading mm-hmm. this. I think the Caroline storyline felt very rushed, in my opinion. She's mm-hmm. only there for ten days. She's a tourist, right? Um, so it felt very easy for her to wrap this up really quickly, especially because these documents, some of them aren't digitized, and it takes a while to order them. But oh my god, hers come in the next day. Wow, Wow, she was told weeks, maybe months. And then, oh my God, yours actually came tomorrow, today. Wow, look at that. Um, So that was very easy. (laughs) Um, And then also Caroline's dealing with some like marital issues. Um, So yeah, so there's the poison (laughs) that Nella's working on for the lady who wants to murder a woman. And it it goes awry. (laughs) It does not go well. Uh, The woman accidentally kills her husband instead of the mistress. And it turns into his brother was a doctor. They get caught um, or they they realize that poison was used. Her lady's maid who administered the poison tattles on her and gets an etching of the bottle. And Eliza had used a bottle that actually happened to have an address on it, which also felt really um, just not lazy storytelling. It was convenient. It was very convenient. Yeah. yeah, that that the one bottle that Eliza happened to grab had an address, which she was really Nella was very careful not to have anything identifiable other than the little bear marker, because that was her way of subtly advertising like I'm the apothecary and you apothecary, sorry, that you come to for the poisons. So that kind of all happens in a really interesting way. The lady comes, thinks that she's, you know, hidden the glass vial effectively, but the lady's maid took like a wax etching of the glass. So that gets printed in the newspaper and people start to come forward ratting on Nella, like previous clients or people who suspected something or had found bottles at their crime scenes. And we're now coming to the cops like this actually might be a serial killer Um, because they're they're basically blaming the apothecary. They're not blaming the people who bought the poison, which I thought was really interesting because nowadays like you wouldn't blame whoever like you wouldn't blame Ace Hardware for buying the lime that covered the body. Well, I think uh, I think they were mostly people coming out that found the vial. Yeah, but the police were looking. So they don't they don't necessarily know who bought it in the first place. Okay, so I'm I'm jumping. You're right. I'm jumping to the part where you know they they track her down. They do find the apothecary and they chase Nella and Eliza to Blackfriars Bridge, which I believe still is standing in London, if I'm not mistaken. If someone knows that. so if someone wants to correct me on that. Fact checker. Uh, fa- yeah, who's our fact checker? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying shit at this point because it's shit we've read. But it's going on the um, internet and everything's true, so. 
I it's mean, fine. well, and if it's crowdsourced, it's yeah. extra verifiable. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Like Goodreads. Uh, so yeah, so they they chase them to Blackfriars Bridge, where um, you know Eliza jumps off and takes the hit. Um, and this is where like they were like, oh, that must be the murderess. She's jumped because she's guilty. Let's just kind of clean it up nice and tidy. And Caroline in the present finds a news clipping that says like apothecary, uh, you know, murderer jump, commits suicide and jumps off the bridge. And this is, you know, trigger warning. Like there, it, it's not very descriptive other than she jumps into the bridge, but just something to be mindful of that there is a suicide scene, which I will elaborate on. No. Uh, which I, I will. Okay, Do you okay. want me to go into that right now? Cause I can go into Okay. So surprise, Eliza <laughs> has discovered magics or, I mean, we have some discussion questions on that. She thinks she discover, discovers magics. Um, she, in a sort of side plot, has found a magics book um, and created a salve for her and Nella um, and is carrying those when they're running and she takes it before she jumps into the bridge. And Caroline in the present day does find an article from like 20 years later after the murder um, from an Eliza Pepper, which is her married name, um, which alludes to she's quoted as saying like, oh, many years ago in London, I helped a friend and did something crazy. Um, and that's all I'm going to say on it. So she kind of connects it based on like apothecary records that were found in this news article that Eliza actually lived um, and did not commit suicide. Um, so Nella and Eliza got away with the uh, murder of the Lord and Nella is able to still closes up the apothecary, but is able to kind of move on. Although there are some questions as to whether or not she dies at the end, which I know there's yeah. some questions on that. Um, and in Caroline in the present day has put this all together um, with the news articles and the apothecary records that she's found at the British libraries very conveniently. Um, might I add, uh, wraps it up nicely and, you know, leaves her husband and all this really great self-empowerment, self-awareness moments um, that happened along the way. I just, you can tell I clearly was not invested in that storyline because <laughs> I just lost over the whole thing. Um, it just, it just, it felt so rushed. Like she had 10 days in London, which I've, I've done like seven days in, in the UK. And that's a long, it's a long time, but it, it's not a, it's not to solve a mystery that's uh -uh. 200 years old. Um, because she happens to stumble down Bear Alley and finds Back Alley, which is actually where the apothecary was, was the Back Alley of Bear Alley, like a little offshoot, um, and finds the apothecary never having been touched, just left as it mm -hmm. was all those years ago. Nobody found the extra door. But it's all that whole area is like the finance district of London. So there's all these new buildings and, and, and new developments, housing developments. And you're just like, how did nobody touch this? pristine basement space and this back alley <laughs> and there was the the explanation of it was very rushed and kind of just conveniently brushed over that like oh yeah beer garden tried to take the space but somebody said they needed access to that door that nobody opened in 200 years which is really interesting or i guess unclear at how long the door had been opened because i guess they didn't the the apothecary inside this hidden room um and so that's that room had been accessed, I guess, in the 200 years, but nobody noticed. Nobody found the secret room. Nobody nobody found the secret room in 200 years. Right. And keep in mind, the secret room was built in the 1800s, right? 
so there's of, no out way of, it would have been out that of hidden. wood. Out yeah, of wood. so like it couldn't be super high tech that no one can find it. Like no, especially the cops in, like, back in the time, they went in this <laughs> investigator. Well, it looks fine. I don't see anything, and then she just magically comes. There's up. just an old barley barrel in there. <sighs> Nothing of interest. I was like, well, because it was also that three of the four walls were brick and one was wood. And this woman who never had any experience doing detective work had just done one day of mudlarking was like, look for bricks in the pattern. Oh, look, a wood wall. I, ha- I Some detective must have seen that at some point. I don't know. Not not that cops are highly qualified individuals. or anything. Yeah. Everything about Caroline's but, story was very convenient. She she came up to like no resistance whatsoever. She just, no. oh, I'm going to go mudlarking. I find this cool vial. Oh, well, what should I do? Well, go see this woman who, who knows what to help expert. you. Oh, perfect. The <laughs> guy who runs this happened to be the father of a map, map expert. Yeah. Cool. All right. Can you help me with this? Actually, that to me wasn't super crazy because they that both makes have sense. an interest in history. No, and, no. But it was just very convenient overall. It was story. very yes, overall. It, it, yes. If I that agree. was the only convenience, not a big deal. It makes sense. But, but there was a lot there's of convenience. There's a lot of them. Yeah. I was just going to say it was not convenient that her husband showed up. And then ate something he knew he wasn't supposed to. That that yeah. is where the book got real interesting for me because I thought, oh, well, she's gonna with all this stuff that's going on, she's gonna go down for for murder potentially with this poison stuff. And I thought the book was gonna take a, like a left turn that I was really excited about. But then again, it cleared up pretty easily, pretty quickly. Yeah. So can we talk about James? He's, he's a trash human. This is Caroline's husband. <laughs> sure, go um, for it. <laughs> he's a trash human. Tell us how um, you really feel. Um, I, I hated him. Um, first of all, uh, one reason I didn't like Caroline's story is it was just so heteronormative I wanted to vomit. Um, she dropped all of her dreams to get married. Um, like, was going to apply to Cambridge to do a history uh, p- graduate program. Um, but as soon as she saw a ring, she was like, bye-bye, Cambridge. Like, hello, baby. And a farm, a job on the farm with the family and like, easy, you know, very convenient, comfortable life. So I was like, ooh, I just don't have any sympathy for this character now. Um, but then, you know, her husband cheats on her after 10 years of marriage. Again, saw that coming um, with his, you know, some like lower level person at his accounting firm, classic, um, who he then throws under the bus and was like, I'm going to report you to HR as your, as your, you know, superior, like reporting manager. I'm going to report you to HR for sexual harassment, which I thought was another example of him being a trash human. So, at least he's consistent in being trash. That's true. He is consistently trash. Um, like he knows he's a terrible person. Um, but and even Caroline calls him out on that. Like, aren't you supposed to get? Yeah, I do like, like that you're, line. Like mm-hmm. she actually has found herself on this trip, which I was very proud of. Again, but also felt very easy. It's like after ten years of marriage and after a very heteronormative she life, found herself in like two days. I mean, yeah, that's... you found yourself in like two days because he showed up about a, a, the next day. Like she has a day yeah. in London, gets this email from him. He's coming. She had asked for space. And he's like, no, I'm going to come to London and bug you. And she was like, fuck you, dude. But still lets him into her hotel, like lets him stay on the couch. Um, And he's like not really feeling well from the flight. He's definitely got some bad jet lag. And this is where Rico (laughs) mentions uh, he ingests eucalyptus oil and a last ditch effort to win over his wife, who is not okay with him cheating on her. Um, And he tries to blame her for the cheating. Like our life was so boring and comfortable because you wanted it to be. Which, yeah, Rico's rubbing his eyes right now. That was just like the 
a big <laughs> well because it's not clear right away that he did it on purpose yeah the way, the way it plays out is, is, yes. is he's not feeling great kind of he's coming down with a cold yeah. and he asked her do you have any day color or anything and she's like no but i have some eucalyptus oil which is basically kind of the same thing as like vapor oil yeah. like the the you know it helps you you know breathe and stuff like that go get some yeah. it's my bag and so he goes get some she is telling him it's a topical thing but she doesn't mention that he drinks she's it. She's not specific. She's not specific. She's not specific. She's like, go get the eucalyptus yes. oil. And so he drinks bag. it. And so it. we think it's an accident because he doesn't know any better. And then later on, we well, find out. Can, can I jump in on that? Yes, sir. If you've ever looked at an essential oil bottle, they have these huge, like when it says like how to use, there's a huge warning that says, do not ingest this. Well, she says do that. Not- she brings it up. It's like, there's well, she a brings warning. it up later, but I was like, this guy's not an idiot. Like, He's on partner time. Oh, when we, it, should, it should have been obvious based on like, the kind of person he was. I, I, admit, like, I missed it. I just want to jump in really quick and say I bought into him doing this on accident at first because no offense to my husband, but I could see my husband doing the same thing on accident. I don't care how big it says do not ingest. He would just be like, oh, liquid. It's I like guess I drink it. No. Yeah. I mean, not for the same reasons, but I bought into a big accent because he had just so, flown. He was a little jet lagged. He's not feeling, feeling well. And I admit, like, sometimes when I'm not feeling well, I get kind of stupid. I don't well, really want to think. Be- and so I, I bought it. I was like, he's a trash human. He's actually an idiot. That's probably why he still drank it. Like, I, I talked myself out of it. Like, I, I talked myself into believing what you guys believe because I was like, no, he's an idiot. I don't like this guy. He definitely tried to poison. Like, he accidentally poisoned himself. Um, and they did write that part really well. Like, the whole um, – because then the paramedics come and they're like, what is he? what has he had? What's going on? She's like, he just had eucalyptus oil. Like, don't know why he did that. It says not to drink it. But her notebook from all of her research about oh, apothecaries yeah. and – the lethal amount of a non-lethal substance that would kill somebody like it i can't remember how they worded it it was much better than how i just said it but basically <laughs> like how much would it take of this non-lethal thing to kill somebody mm-hmm. and it was like arsenic tobacco all of these things that were helpful in small doses which is a big part of nella's uh teachings to eliza is like this is the safe amount of something to cure something don't do too much. You could kill somebody. Like everything can be poison, basically. And so that's kind of where they connect on the poison level of the apothecary tale um, is that he ends up ingesting a, le- a possibly lethal amount of eucalyptus. And so they think she's done it. They think the wife, Caroline, has tried to kill her husband. And he's like, her husband like says something to the nurses, like we're having, we're having a marital problems right now. So they're like, What's going on? Like, mm-hmm. Are you trying to murder your husband and get rid of him? The police are really interrogating her. Gaynor comes. She calls. Gaynor calls her, asks her to come down to verify the story that we're doing apothecary research. That goes okay. They still want to interrogate her really intensely until her husband wakes up and is like, "No, she didn't poison me. Like I stupidly drank eucalyptus oil. I'm an I'm a dumbass." And then they're like, "All right, we'll." We'll see. I still don't believe it. And he was like, no, go away. So her husband does save her in this moment. But we do find out later that he was a dumbass, but just not about the eucalyptus oil. He thought if I purposefully drink a lethal amount of essential oils, my wife won't leave me. Trash human. Foolproof plan, though. I mean, come on. Foolproof? Really? (laughs) No. I will. (laughs) I will give James. 
a little credit. James. I will give him just a slight bit of credit because after Caroline finds out that he did this on purpose and she's like, fuck you, I'm leaving you anyway. I thought for a quick moment that he would then go back to the police and say, just kidding, she did it. And he didn't. And he did not do that. He's like, all right, fire, fair enough. He could have been even more of an ass. So I was like, well, fine, I saved you from the police. I'm going to go back and tell the police, you know what? You were in the room with me. I felt threatened. But actually, it was you who did it. So he didn't go. Interesting. But this book did not leave. No, there's lots of there's lots of parts mm-hmm. in the book where it could have got more interesting and it didn't. It uh, it kind of went down the more traditional safe yeah. route. Um, I did want to back up to to something you said earlier, Bella, about mm-hmm. Caroline basically throwing away her her greater academic plans mm-hmm. um, to get married and have a family. Yeah, she did make it pretty clear that she greatly was looking forward to having kids like that was something that she wanted she wants kids so in Uh, that moment when she decided to not go to cambridge anymore and just get married and work on a farm and have this normal traditional life did you accept it as it's her choice to do what she wants or do you think she easily fell into the expected gender roles because oh he proposed well now i have to throw away my life complicated question yeah yeah I so I I saw this question on our outline and I've been trying to think of how <laughs> to answer it because I don't I don't think she necessarily sacrificed her goals like you said for expected gender roles specifically. I think mm-hmm. she just happened to fall into that because I think what happened was she really she had these goals um for her career but then she got married and then her husband had all these other opportunities and she just allowed her husband to follow those rather than follow her own and i think that their life just became comfortable from there maybe not necessarily comfortable but um you know it just it became the norm and so just over time she just slowly started to forget what she wanted out of her own life. Yes, I do think for sure she she did end up falling into gender roles. But I think that, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to, I don't know how to explain this. I think it's still good to value your partner's life goals. But it's good to kind of plan and figure out how you're both going to reach those goals. So like I have um I have two friends they they're married and they decided okay um my wife is going to go and get her degree and get her career started first and then I'm going to go and get mine so that they you know you know alternated who was going to do most of the work to kind of keep them going while one's going to school you know it's figuring out a balance between how to keep each other happy overall within your relationship and also um, in terms of like your career. I agree with most of what you said, but I do think that gender norms conditioned her to put aside her dream for yes. the traditional, yeah. for the traditional right. goal of gender norms. Like I think that for her motherhood was just as important as her schooling, but it's still one. I think because she was, especially like knowing that they're from Ohio, um, a little bit more, you know, Midwest traditional kind of, you know, 
I'm not from the Midwest, so I can't speak to it 100%, but like based on, I actually have a friend from Ohio and we've talked a lot about how they actually were a late in life lesbian. They married a man and like that was part of their Ohio life and identity, but then kind of discovering themselves as they got older, you know, transitioned into like their, their real, their true self, right? They discovered kind of in that growth as they got older, um, they weren't living their authentic life. And so I think Caroline reminded me of that. Like she, you know, had this conditioning given her background um, coming from the Midwest. Um, her parents sound very traditional. Her parents sound like, you know, hey, come work on the family farm. We'll give you easy money. Your husband can build his career. That'll give you time to have kids. You know, you'll have work-life balance. You can you can balance your, your child rearing uh, uh, responsibilities with the you know, easy money of working for the family, right? Uh, very easy to take time off and maternity leave when your parents are your bosses. Um, so yeah, I definitely think the gender norms conditioned her to put aside her dreams on the back burner. So I was really proud of her for in the end, mm -hmm. choosing her, choosing her dreams and pushing back on him. I mean, she, but again, this was all in like the span of what, seven days that she um, actually I think he, when he leaves, he's like, it's only eight days. So this was like three or four days that she discovers herself and feels. Yeah. Empowered, I thought which, that was really fast. I was a little jealous. I was like, that literally takes years of therapy. Okay. I'd love um, to discover myself in three days. Yeah. Jeez. I was like, I need to go you? on a vacation by myself. <laughs> What'd you do like, this weekend? Discovered myself, figured myself yeah, out. But exactly. That's what it felt like. It was like, you take one weekend away from your husband with no emotional support. Like there's no family and friends that she's like. She has her new girlfriend. This out. <sighs> R.I.P. I would like Caroline to believe Peter. that maybe after this book, when yeah. she is accepted that's, and goes to college. That's my I own would, head canon. I would read the sequel of Gaynor and Caroline's Guys, story. Guys, fanfic. Let's write I it. I feel like Caroline <laughs> would be more interesting at that point, too. Yeah, right. I, she, yeah, she's so heteronormative. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Move on. <laughs> I want to focus on Gaynor. She seems real cool. Um, she hasn't, we don't know a lot about her. Like we don't, she could be a lesbian. Like we really don't learn a lot. I about think, I Gainer. feel like she was because when, when she, she finds is. out later that Gainer, oh, uh, sorry, when she finds out later that Caroline has a husband, she's like, she's oh, like, oh, a husband? Oh, you do? Well, yeah, she was, she was sus. Yeah. About, well, about and, then, Caroline. and then when Caroline came back and was like, oh, I, I applied to Cambridge or, or wherever. We'll have to plan it literally trips. said, it literally said Gaynor like started crying with happiness or something. And I was like, yeah. just be like, I want to be with you. <laughs> I feel yeah, because like they're not close enough friends. They've known each other for They've week. known each other for like a week. <laughs> so you don't cry for someone you just Great, met a week ago. Yeah. Unless it's instantly like, yo, this girl's. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a big believer in not, okay, not necessarily destiny or soulmates, but just like things happen for a reason. And I'm just like, Cambridge was supposed to happen for a reason. It's come, this whole London experience is happening for a reason. She's still going to Cambridge for a reason. Maybe Gaynor was the reason. I don't know. She I don't might know. be. Who knows? <clears throat> but I, yeah, the, the James thing was really obnoxious. And he was just not a sympathetic character at all. He was gaslighting her consistently. Like, even when she found out that he cheated on her, it was like, well, you made this comfortable life for us. So it's your fault that I cheated. And it was like, oh, God, that's so toxic. Um, so I was really glad that she ended up going on that trip alone. But again, the self-awareness, the self-discovery that happened was so unrealistic. Um, 
I think the Goodreads reviews were pretty spot on of like, if you ha- if you're a bored quarantine reader, this is the book for you, but otherwise don't waste your time. Um, that was a little harsh. I think it was better than that, but yeah, I think, I think it's, <laughs> it was, about to say. A, it was yeah, a, little a little bit harsh. better than that, but it was um, definitely could tell it was like the first book. Um, it is a debut there. novel. It was her debut it's novel. Debut and novel. I, th- I think it's a solid debut novel. Yeah. I think, I think you can only go up from there. Yeah, I think the 1791 was really good. Um, and I wish we'd had, I think, a little bit more time with it. And to, uh, to speak, I guess, give the author a little bit of benefit of the doubt. Um, I was reading a little bit about her inspiration for this novel. And I think she found like a vial. And, and so okay. she kind of made this backstory for it. Um, and then obviously with somebody selling poisons at a certain point in history, toxicology comes into play. So she was saying, I said it when I said it, because at this point, no one really knows how to look for poisons in the system. Like if I had said it even 50 years later, you would be able to find poison in the system. So I think out of necessity, it needed to be set in this time period, which Mm -hmm. maybe made it a little more difficult to write more accurately. Mm -hmm. So just to give her a little bit of benefit of the doubt. Yeah, that was, and that was, to me, was helped with the authenticity of the story. Uh, Because otherwise, like you said, 50 years later, it would have been like, that's arsenic because the eyes are red and the tongue's Mm -hmm. puffy or whatever, right? I'm not a, I'm not a pharmacist um, or an (laughs) apothecary. Um, But yeah, like I know that there are telltale signs of these poisons. So I think that was excellent that like the only way that the cops would have ever found out was by finding her registry. Um, which was the concern with the the discovery and why there was the hidden door and all of that. So <laughs> when you said that you're, you're not a, a pharmacy or whatever, instantly what came to mind was I want to see a, a spinoff of CSI set in this time period. Oh my And just gosh. what would that be? There's no forensics. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would have been so good. Well, because like I would love to see like because what what was known about female anatomy was not nearly as well known mm-hmm. as male anatomy. So I'd love to be seeing like the female, like female victims. I'd be like, oh, well, she must be pregnant because she's bloated. And it's like, that's just because like corpses bloat, right? Yeah. And they'd just be like, well, she must be pregnant. I don't know. Um, I, I could see that. <laughs> There'd be a lot of confusion. A lot of confusion. There'd be a lot of pregnant victims. <laughs> in my head Aj she must have had the melancholy she must have been hysterical um. Um, okay so speaking of female anatomy though I, I did want to bring up this in chapter 11 um, Eliza gets her first period we had mentioned it earlier she's sitting this is yeah this is right after um, her lord is murdered she gets her period and instantly thinks that this is the lord haunting her because she doesn't know what it is no one ever told her what menstruation is at all but one of my biggest gripes in fiction is storyline, like story threads existing only because adults didn't tell a kid a thing. Yes. And it annoyed me because we go how many chapters with Eliza thinking she's being haunted and this is why I'm bleeding and this is why I want to figure out magics and blah, 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 blah. We go down this entire story point only because no one tells her. No, you you just you had your period. It's going to happen once a month. Sorry, like it could have been avoided. And I'm, and I'm looking specifically at Lady Amwell, I believe her name was, because she does mention something like, "Oh, it's just 
phases of the moon. Just tell her. What, it's what natural. Is this, what yeah. is this weird flowery stuff you're saying? Just tell her. You're, we know you're not distraught that your husband died because you murdered him. It wasn't like it was sudden and you have to go off and mourn. Well, no, tell the girl what the hell happened. Well, the, see, I, I am no historian. I don't know anything about this time period. My assumption was that it is still it is that it is still a a topic that is not ever discussed unless maybe it's your mother. Yes, I know that in the Regency period that like it was shrouded in like you know allu- alluding to things, euphemisms, a lot of that flowery feminine language around it but it was not descriptive. It was just like, these are your courses. You will bleed. And that's it. Like, that's it. It's like, now you can have a child. And it was not explained. Like, what what was going on? Because they didn't know what was going on. They didn't know the science behind it. They didn't understand that it's like shedding and like it's a cycle of like around fertility and like, you know, all of that, right? Um So, yeah, my understanding was that it would be your mother who would tell you. And Eliza was not with her mom. She was with her employer. But you would have thought that her employer would be like, here are some pads. Yeah. Come on. This is normal. You're going to get it once a month. Just tell me when it's happening. Tell her something. When it happens, put this on. It's going to keep happening. You would think. Well, it sounds like they're close, too. Because, like. Yeah. She treats her She's always taking. Yeah. Always taking care of her. She taught her her how to read and write. It's like. They Why don't, don't you just children of their own? Just so give assume, her some kind of explanation. <laughs> right. I mean, it literally could have just been, oh, this will now happen every month. Here are these pads, like these basically towels, right? Like little diaper situation. Um, use this every month when it happens. You're not. Yes. Being ha- and then she could have been like, wait, I'm not being haunted. And then there was also the point where Nella is talking about um, – Nella has a little, for for our listeners out there, because we didn't dive into this, Nella has a backstory of why she started selling poison, is that she was cheated on by a lover who she thought was going to be her husband. They, they She got pregnant, um, but really he was already married, and he poisoned her to have her have an abortion, basically. Like, he gave her an, a, a 1791 abortion of, um, what was that, what was the poison? Can't yeah, Randy, another trash guy. Another trash human. Um, yeah, trash male. Um, and so that's why she started selling poison. And she mentioned, like, if I had started bleeding again, I don't think I would have gone down this route. And she says this to Eliza and Eliza perks up like bleeding. What does she mean by that? But doesn't ask the question. So we go on like another, I don't know, five chapters where Eliza's like, oh, I should have asked that question. Yeah. Yeah. Which is weird because Eliza just says whatever she wants to. Eliza says whatever she wants. Yes. She just speaks (laughs) her mind. And so it was we it was out of character for her not to ask a follow-up question. And that to me, Rico, my my pet peeve is also when storylines are kept going, but could have been easily resolved if somebody had just asked a question. Yeah, same thing. Uh, but yeah, it's just like my my biggest pet peeve is plots that could have been answered with a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, by somebody just asking the fucking question when it came up. Because Eliza got the opportunity to ask. What do you mean by bleeding? I'm bleeding now. Is it like, is it the same thing? Do you bleed too? That's all that needed to happen. And and actually Nella multiple times brings up like women's courses and how she helps with like bleeding and things of women, right? Like again, all the euphemisms tied up in there. So it is confusing, if a, especially for Eliza who's never been told about it. But again, Eliza 
asks whatever comes to her mind. Mm-hmm. Felt like that that could have been solved like 10, 10 chapters before. But then we wouldn't have gotten the magical potion that allowed her to yeah. survive the frozen Thames because she would have hit ice at that point. So I, I was I'm thinking maybe maybe Eliza just believes so much that she is haunted and believes so much yes. in magic that she Irrational just thinking. Oh, bleeding, that's not the same thing as what's happening to me. <laughs> what's yeah. happening to me is magical. Yeah, she's like, I'm not a woman. I see myself as a child. That is something she mentions. Like, I've never seen myself that way. I'm just a kid. So maybe she just was like, that's a woman's problem. I'm a kid. Therefore, I it's not related. But I'm pretty sure also somewhere in the know. book, she like says something along the lines. It's like, I'm not a child anymore. Yeah. Like someone's when telling she- her something and she kind of says it defiantly. Like, I'm not a kid. And so you can't have it both ways. <laughs> I, I know. She she says that to Nella at some point. She's like, oh, child. She's like, I'm not a child. Um, I do know. That was pretty early on, too. Yeah. It was before the part where she's like, I never saw myself as a woman. I saw myself as a kid. So you're right. There is some contradictory um, thoughts She is a there. kid, so. She is a kid. She's literally a child, so. She's like 12 years old. <laughs> yeah, she, she is a kid, but she does not seem at all phased by the thought of murdering men. That was really interesting. Yeah. And I, and I don't really know. Go off, if, Well, I don't really know if we were giving enough to explain why she's so okay with killing men. Like, okay, I'm, I'm going to speak a little brutally. Um, <laughs> I, I was fully expecting to read that she had been raped um, in the book. Nella? And, yeah. No, no. Eliza. Eliza. And, and then that, that is why. She was just, I'm done, I'm done with men. I'm going to fucking kill all men. I don't care anymore. That's what I was and, expecting and too. And that didn't quite happen. We do we do read that the Lord was a perv and was like touching her inappropriately. And he did basically kind of roofie her, like gave her some liquor and she passed out. But we don't really, but nothing happened. No. Um, and so not to say that that makes it okay because it doesn't. But I just felt like to jump from there to just being okay with murdering guys and not caring at all and wanting to basically be an apprentice to this woman <laughs> who murders men. I was like, wow, what? And, over, and other than that, this girl seems pretty level-headed. She seems pretty happy and yeah. fine. I'm like, wow, well, girl. I mean, <laughs> her mistress probably really influences her. And if, 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 um, what was her, what is her name again? Um, the, Lady the mistress. Am- yeah. Amwell, I believe. Lady Amwell. Um, if, if, if doing this to her husband was like nothing to her, Eliza might have, you know, believed the same thing and just gone with it. Um, but there was also the rumor, though. Remember, her, her idea, her belief of hauntings came from the rumors of the girl that lived in the room next to her mm-hmm. screaming, and there was the implication that... The Lord may have raped that girl. True. So she's also got that in her mind that this guy is just probably a bad person. That's true. That's yeah, that's true. And just the fact that Lady Amwell was also worried when she realized that her husband was eyeing Eliza. Um, you know, Eliza could kind of pick up the worry. And yeah. so maybe, maybe that's why she was at least comfortable with doing this with him. Um, I don't know necessarily the jump from that to wanting to help Nella, but that that yeah. could kind of explain why she was okay, at least with with the Lord yeah. of the house. 
I, I chalked it up to, you know, childhood naivete, like just that she was a little bit naive. Yeah. A little bit curious about, you know, what, cause she didn't see him dead. Um, at least my under, my interpretation was she never saw the body. So it was very much like, it's just spicy food. It looks like indigestion. He goes up to his bedroom and then he's dead. So I, I think it could just be, you know, lack of information. And then that sense of justice, right? That like, She's getting justice for the girl who died, justice for preemptive justice for herself. Um, so I almost feel like she sees Nella in a very noble way. Um, I think she definitely put her on a pedestal of like, you're saving women, even though she doesn't know, like Nella doesn't know what is justified. She's just helping women get rid of men. Um, she doesn't really discriminate as long as it's just not against a woman, as long as it's not used against women. So I don't know. I think. Because Nella sees herself very clearly, like I'm a murderer. I'm I'm basically murdering these people by proxy, um, and I just I just feel like Eliza just was not informed. She didn't. Nella didn't give her all the information, and she was like, "This sounds like an interesting job. Sounds like magics. Sign me up. Let me let me learn more." That leads to another really good question because, like you said, Eliza kind of puts her on a pedestal. She sees her mm-hmm. as this really cool, like heroic figure, but Nella fully believes herself and is she's is a straight up murderer mm-hmm. so this book is is it's is supposed to make us sympathize with a villain and like mm-hmm. ultimately by the end of the book i want to ask you both did you see her as a type of hero did you see her as a type of villain or something in between laura do you want to take that one first <laughs> okay <laughs> Um, sacrifice you to the <laughs> I'm I'm gonna I might sound like a terrible person yes she was a murderer but at the same time I also felt like she she was trying to do what she could to help women in her in her community because um and I'm I, again I'm not a historian so I don't really know what it was like back then but I do know just in history in general you know, women have been very much controlled by men, especially their husbands, in so many different ways. And so, to me, I saw this, I saw what Nella was doing as a way to help these women somehow find some kind of freedom or justice, depending on what the situation was. Um, Obviously, if it's just, oh, my husband just cheated on me, you know, that might not necessarily be like the best, you know, reason, (laughs) but if it's, you know, if there's something more to it, something more happening, um, you know, I felt like maybe it was somewhat justifiable in that time period. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I also kind of like compare it to how, um, men, their husbands used to say my wife is, hysterical and crazy even though she wasn't and get her put in asylum you know that is something that really did happen in her history so that's kind of the way that i was looking at Mm -hmm. um what nella was doing um but again murder is not good (laughs) so you know i think she was just she's just trying to find a way that she can help other women um to get justice also related to what she herself experienced. Yeah, I think that's a really good point about like women just didn't have power at this time. And this was probably the only way to get out of a bad marriage. There was no divorce. 
um, or divorce was still difficult to get. Um, believe it might have had to have been approved by the church still. Um, and men off, more often than not were still in control of that, right? The men ruled the church. Um, believe men were still the monarchy at that point because um, I think Queen Victoria came later. Um, so women just didn't have power. They didn't have the ability to you know, advocate for themselves in their marriage or in life in general. They went from their fathers to their husbands and made babies. Like that was their job. Um, some women had jobs, but they were very, you know, feminine jobs of cleaning and cooking and things like that. Um, and again, didn't earn wages or were very little wages earned. Um, and they were aiming to get married, to get out of that situation. The goal was to get married. And so when your marriage is failing, your husband's cheating on you. I could see how one would go to murder to be like, fuck you. This was my only chance at children. Like I think lady, uh, the second lady, not lady Amwell, but lady Clarence, lady Clarence. Thank you. Lady Clarence was like, the reason I want to murder my husband is, or sorry, murder the mistress is because my husband is wasting his seed on her. And he comes to me barren, which I don't know the science behind that, but sounds pretty <laughs> iffy. Yeah, the science uh, checks out. <laughs> Science checks out. He's he's running on empty by the time he gets to her. Um, <laughs> really a finite resource. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so I, I get it. Like, that was her way of exercising control. She was like, I just want a kid. Um, and that's all I can have. So I'm going to find a way to get it. Um, so, yeah, it, it, I don't know if I sympathized with Nella. I also don't think I saw her as much as a villain as I should have considering she's basically murdering all of these people for very little with very little information. Like she's just like, it's a man, here's a poison. Like here's how to do it. Um, I don't need to know necessarily why, just how you want me to make it happen. So I think that was really interesting that she didn't discriminate on the, based on like the, the, the offense that the man had done to this woman. Um, I think that definitely made her less sympathetic um, mm -hmm. as sort of like non-discriminatory murder. If it's a man, he can die, which I, I respect that men are trash, but, um, sorry, Rico. <laughs> Look, this um, is why I said I'm probably going to be poisoned at some point. Yeah. I'm, okay, I mean, so I'm my body really is You made that found... claim and I'm a little nervous about what you were saying that merited poison. We'll see. Have I don't we got, know what I'm going to. Have gonna... you gotten there yet? Uh, we'll, we'll see. Because so far <laughs> I questions. haven't wanted to kill you. Okay, and that's, Same. that's a pretty good record for me. I mean, normally by like an hour hanging out with Rico, I'm like, ugh, this guy. Um, just kidding. No, <laughs> I wouldn't be on this podcast if I hated him. Let's just say that. Um, <laughs> but maybe he's going to change my mind with whatever comment he has. Well, speaking of our next question, no, it's going to go ahead. I don't know if I'm <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if that answered your question fully. I, I don't know if I, I don't know that we spent enough time in this story for me to really develop any feelings for okay, Ella. I was just curious. You know? Yeah. I wasn't as invested in this one. I'll tell you that. So yeah. all right. complicated feelings all around. Yeah. What about you though, Jason? Oh, me? Um, yeah, what do you think? Is this when I want to murder you? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Not yet. Um, no, I, I agree with what both of you said that at the time, women really didn't have many options to get out of bad situations. Obviously, there's different options you can do now. You know, Not to say that all the issues that women face are solved because that's definitely not the case. 
but there are more avenues to go down. Where at the time, mm-hmm. there's nothing else to do other than possibly turn to somebody who has a solution for you. And it's not the greatest solution, but is a solution for people who otherwise don't have any. Mm-hmm. So I don't think Nala is a hero, but I also don't think she's a villain. I think in the context of the story, she plays a necessary role. I agree. She knows she's a murderer, mm-hmm. but it's just out of necessity. Like, if I don't do something for these women, no one else will. Yeah. So I think she's just, she's like a force mm-hmm. of nature, kind of like, it's just yeah. not good, not bad, just is. Yeah, she felt more like an instrument of yeah. these women who arguably could be put into like villain versus yeah. hero or savior categories. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's an interesting point. But Eliza, on the other hand, total psychopath. Well, yeah, that kid's <laughs> messed up. But and, and I don't even know, like I expected there to be like a much darker history to her than just like- That's what I was oh, waiting for. My, my mom found a really nice wealthy home for me to work in where they treated me really well. I, yeah, and the lady was super nice to me. He taught me I to learned, read and I write. I learned to and, read and write, and then this woman murdered her husband because he was eyeballing me. That, yeah. Why are you so dark and twisty, Eliza? What's going? <laughs> what's going on there? She. Yeah, I would love to see her. Her in a good therapy session, <laughs> but uh, alas, not not the time for that. So, so re- related to Eliza, <laughs> at the very end, when when Caroline is reading her little newspaper article where she found out who Eliza was. It, it says that um, her husband died and she inherited his, her husband's estate and wildly successful bookshop. Do you think Eliza killed her husband? I had not even considered that. I had not either. I saw this in your notes, this question. <laughs> And I did not consider it at the time. I now that you ask the question, it's quite possible, especially when she mentioned that this mysterious friend of hers still consults with her to this day. Um, I and knowing that Eliza's a psychopath, quite possibly she murdered her. <laughs> but also, like Pepper seemed like a really cool guy. Yeah. So he didn't. But they always seem that they, way at the beginning. I mean, men are trash. So, you know, (laughs) it's really not out of the realm of possibilities that he turned into an asshole just like the rest of them. She met him when they were both really young. He still had acne. Like, life hadn't hit him with the shit stick. So, you know, maybe, maybe yes. I think once you asked that question, once I saw that, I was like, you know what? And I had just finished the book in that moment. So it was very fresh in my mind that article that caroline was reading where it kind of gave us the um epilogue to eliza's story Mm -hmm. of her you know moving to brighton like she wanted to marrying pepper which was kind of a cute nod to the magics um yeah i i think she could have i think that's a 90 percent chance she killed her husband because he died at 22 20 yeah 22 says well eliza was 22 so he's probably 25 26 yeah not too much older so he died really young still really young for that time that's about middle age see it says he'd fall he'd recently fallen ill believed to be pleurisy of the chest i don't know if i said that right fact checkers your your guess is fine (laughs) yeah we really need a fact checker (laughs) um but yeah so he was young yeah 
he was young. I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say hard, uh, a soft yes. I'm going to say a soft yes. Rico, what do you? I, um, you I want to believe not. I want to believe she didn't kill him. I want to believe that she found love and left this dark past behind her. And then her and Pepper just had a good life and he just happened to die young. Um, I don't want to believe that he ended up being a trash person to warrant being murdered. That said, if you told me, hey, you know what? The author wrote a short story. We find out Eliza killed her husband. I'm like, yeah, okay, I believe it. I wouldn't be surprised at all. You'd buy it. Okay. Yeah, 100%. So you're taking it at face value. Like what the article said is what happened. Optimistically, yes, I want to believe that she didn't murder her husband. Is she capable of it? Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, I mean, Nella did basically say she was going to leave murdering behind or, or implied it or something like that if she but were Eliza to survive. didn't. That's true. But and Eliza, Eliza found magic. Yeah. She found her magics. Magic can be used for bad. Right? Maybe I, I that bookstore so she magicked him to ended death. his life. She magicked him to death. She put him in one of those boxes where you saw someone in half and it wasn't a fake <laughs> saw. Oh, no. Okay. And she's like, oh, no, I magicked him yeah. to death. I could also see it being an accident, but it, it, she seemed to handle the death relatively well, which I think is why. But again, this is all based on a news article. We have an unreliable source here, third party, not fact checked like this podcast is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, crowdsourced information. So we don't, we don't really know. <laughs> What Eliza's reaction was, what really truly happened. There is a lot of alluding to um, Nella and Nella's influence. Because um, it's not clear that Nella survived at all. We don't know. Um, and I want to get to that in a little bit. but Well, actually, well, I have a, qu- I have a question. Okay. Because it okay. seems like we've all given our opinion on this. Um, I read an article. Um, the author was interviewed by Katie Couric, of all people. Um, and she disclosed that she felt this book has elements of magical realism. Do you, like, did you feel, like, I didn't feel that really until the end, until Mm -hmm. there's the, 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 the ghosts of the women on the bridge with Carolina, she's throwing the bottle. And then also like Eliza's like, I still see my friend to this day. And then the ghosts again help or like the ghosts warning her and the ghosts haunting her. I didn't, I, it felt really forced to me. It didn't feel authentically there. I don't think she set it up very well, but did you, did you guys have that guess going into it or that, that feeling? Did you, would you have pinpointed magical realism if I hadn't just said that? Yeah, I actually made a couple notes because at the end when they're on the bridge and Eliza takes her tincture of, or tincture to reverse bad fortune, I think it was called. You know, she jumps off fully believing that she's going to be fine. This this tincture she made is going to save her. So she's not committing suicide. She's just escaping the police and she'll be fine. And we find out she was fine. She survived this fall into the frozen river, which otherwise should have killed her. And so possibly um, example one of there being actual magic in the book. And then at the very, very end, it's literally the last page. Caroline is back at the River Thames. And she tosses the vial back into the river and she sees two women down the river walking. And then when all of a sudden they're gone, like they, there was nowhere for them to go. They were there and then they weren't there. 
And so were those the ghosts of um, Eliza and Nella, maybe? And so there's little elements that maybe there was some magic paranormal stuff. And it's further proof that those two women were possibly ghosts. Eliza, as an adult, does say that Nella counsels her to this very day. Which, if she's an adult, Nella should have died because she was very sick and she was deteriorating very quickly. So, unless she's counseling her as a ghost, I fully think that there is magic in this book. But it isn't until the very end and ultimately the story itself exists outside of magic. But I think it exists in a world where there is possibly magic. And if that's the case then ultimately it was a fantasy and we did it guys. We weren't wrong. Bella doesn't look like she agrees. I, uh, I, think, I rest my case. I, I believe you're me. going to be poisoned now. Oh, this is it. This is the moment. This is the moment where I go, that's lazy storytelling. This is dumb here. Drink this. Don't ask what it is. I, I don't think they set it up enough in the book. For me to have buy-in to to see that result as magic and i'm i'm big on magics like i i would love it if the world had magics i think there's some possible like supernatural shit going on in this world and we just maybe don't see it um but that's my i think that's often my imagination just running wild and being really optimistic about one day getting called up by dumbledore that i should go to hogwarts um <laughs> Even though I'm long gone for my 11th birthday, um, but still, <laughs> um, I, I just, I just, it felt really lazy to me. It felt like she really wanted there to be magic. She didn't really set it up. Um, I, I just don't think she really invested in that part of the story very well. Like even Pepper and the whole bookstore moment was so rushed. I mean, it was maybe half a, a chapter maybe a small chapter of eliza's narration um and even then it's like okay so his mother died but he lived yeah there's always you know there's always a price magic always has a price that was real that i was like at least you kept that consistent um because that's in many you know fantasy books with magic involved but i don't know i just there were only bits and pieces here and there and the ghosts on the bridge like Caroline seeing it that was a really big stretch for me she didn't have any interaction with magic at all before that moment um do you do you think if if there had been actual more concrete moments throughout the book you would have bought into it like maybe if there was more verification of like the huntings in in the Amwell house or something like that yeah, I think if it was more than just because it, it often felt like it was just Eliza's imagination, like no one else heard the screaming, nobody else, you know, was thinking that he was haunting the house, like nobody else was superstitious in the way that she was. And I think that's why I have a hard time. And she was so young and she was an unreliable narrator as a result of her youth that I, I just couldn't. It didn't put me in a place where I was like, this is magic. She's clearly magical in some way and attuned to the forces of nature and and magics um i just i didn't believe it i felt like just a youthful um naive girl just wanting to believe something because 
she was scared um, and trying to find an explanation for something she didn't understand. I don't think it felt like magic to me. Um, the Caroline moment, the bridge moment could have been magic. I think, like you said, if there were more tie-ins in her storyline, if there was more concrete evidence, um, I just, I just didn't feel it. I didn't buy it. Maybe it was Nella and Eliza's ghost that was, that was getting her to find the the research and find the door and stuff like that, then maybe. Yeah, I think they're just like, <laughs> even in the shop, there was nothing. Like, there was no spirit feeling. There was no... There were Wait, no are you saying they're force ghosts? Like, and maybe... they're just using the force to influence her? <laughs> yes! Are they taking in the Star Wars universe? Been, like, we're not oh, in Star Wars. Was, there was a <laughs> gust of wind, well, but there was... No wind, like there was nothing, no windows, nothing was open or, you know, something, <laughs> it got cold. <laughs> yeah, <know>. like <laughs> there were no Dementors um, in the alley, so I really just couldn't even believe that we were in London. There were no Dementors. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I just, I, it didn't, the, the that part at the end of the, there were no ghosts before that, there were no spiritual presences before that i just i felt like she was trying to force it at the end like she was trying to fit a round peg into a square hole like it just she really wanted magical realism and i don't think she knew how to make that happen i do think if earlier in the book um we had some sort of hint that eliza was potentially seeing ghosts or believing she was seeing ghosts and the entire time we would chalk it up as she's young she's superstitious she's just making things up uh but then at the end, we see Caroline seeing what are potentially ghosts. I think that would have made the connection. She's like, you know what? Eliza probably yeah. was seeing stuff the entire time. And ghosts yeah. have existed this entire time. And we've been chalking it up as superstition. Mm -hmm. um, but because, like you said, there wasn't really any of that groundwork earlier on. Yeah. By the time you get to the end of it, well, I do. Well, I am choosing to believe it at face value that maybe there was a little bit of magical stuff. But it wasn't until the very end. It's basically like... I don't know, pick any story that is not fantasy, any fictional book that takes place on our world. And then you find out it's about a muggle, but at the same time, there's wizards going on at the end. And there's one section where they cross over, but the entire story itself is not magical. I think it's yeah. like that. I think this book it, is that. Yeah. It's, it's no, that. it's not magical, but maybe it does exist it in a world exists. where there is magic. And it's not until the very end where we get just a little bit of a, a taste. And I wish there was more of that, but one or the other, either dive into it or take it away. Yeah. Just I don't leave think, it I don't think she dived into it enough before. And so for me, I was like, this feels very sloppy, very lazy. Yeah. Just like, I really want it to be magical. Like I really want magical realism. Where can I fit it in? How could I? And I think maybe she struggled with an ending. Cause I think looking at, you know, your guys's notes before this, like she threw the bottle into the river and it was like I was like, what the? Fuck? That was dumb. That made no, no sense. No, isn't your whole like thing with Cambridge is that you're gonna talk, you're gonna turn this into a story, and don't might you need the bottle um, for something? Might somebody want to see that? It made um, no sense. Yeah, it just. It, it, I was like, I get returning it to the river eventually. It felt a little too soon after only a week of diving into this that she would no longer need it. Uh, maybe she took a lot of pictures and that was enough, but, um, I don't know. Again, it's just like, I feel like there was a struggle with how to end this book because even like the fact how Cambridge happened, you know, she 
we hear about how she applied, wanted to apply to Cambridge all those many, you know, 10 years ago, um, but threw it away to have her heteronormative life. And then all of a sudden she applies and gets into a Cambridge program that's going to be nine months. And actually that whole ending felt very, very rushed to me. I don't know. Um, it felt a little too clean, a little too positive. I like a, I like a mixed ending. I like an ending up for interpretation, which is why I like Eliza's a lot. I like Eliza and Nella's because you don't really know the answer. Like, did she murder her husband? Did Nella survive? She shouldn't know that. It was a 200-year-old mystery. Like, if if we had found out those answers, I think this book would have been even more unsatisfactory. Um, but at least that part, I think, to me, was pretty realistic. But the whole Cambridge thing. Did you guys believe that? <laughs> I don't know. I think it took me out of it by the I, end. I – well, so, again, I didn't know if it was possible to do only a nine-month <laughs> or a year-long program. But I, I thought it was interesting that she – uh, Caroline went to Gaynor and was like, oh, I, I applied to Cambridge. And they're just like acting like she got accepted immediately. Yeah, and she was going to be back. And I was like, wait, they don't even know if she is going to come back. though." Yeah, I was like, wait, did she get into this program or what? Because we're already <laughs> planning weekend trips. You know, their lesbian love affair is about to start. I'll read the sequel. Uh, <laughs> that was the only part I was like, yes, 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 yes. Um, continue. Um, but <laughs> other than that, I was like, that's so unrealistic. Uh, like, and she's like, yeah, I'm going to go home and wrap things up. Like she's already planning that she's going to Cambridge. And I was like, girl, all you did was solve a 200 year old mystery with like no help in seven days. How? Cambridge won't believe you. And you threw away your only evidence, the bottle. Yeah, that was, that was a dumb. Like I, I kind of understood her reasoning of of wanting to protect yeah. Eliza's secret. Like, okay, fine. I, I get that. Like, you want to return the secret back to the river from, you know, from whence it came. But you can easily just say it's a different bottle. You don't have to name it for Eliza. Just, I found this random bottle. It's connected to these murders. Like, you don't think any other people just randomly discarded these vials of poison in rivers? Like, it could be any bottle. There's no reason to have discarded it. Mm-hmm. And as far as the ending, like, the only, like, major change I kind of would have made is I wish Eliza stayed dead. That sounds kind I of mean, but, but when she jumps out, not because I don't like her as a character, but just like, I think there's something, there's something a little more powerful about her believing in this magic and jumping from the river and just, we don't know her fate. Like just that leaving it ambiguous. It don't tell us not. she survived. Like mm-hmm. she, maybe she, she, maybe she did survive and knows real. Maybe she just died because she's a kid who believes in magic and magic doesn't exist. Who knows? I... But it's open to interpretation. I would have rather have had that than the happy oh she survived and got married and had kids and yeah blah, blah, possibly blah. killed the husband i i also think that would have helped <laughs> me with the magical realism where nella at the end when she she goes to tell lady amswell that that eliza has died and she sees eliza coming from the house and she she doesn't know if she's alive or dead she's like is this eliza welcoming me to the afterlife right and then mm-hmm. it kind of ends there and then uh caroline in the present day finds the article about eliza and her husband and blah 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 but that would have helped me with the magical realism of the bridge moment is if they had died together nella and eliza in that whole episode right of the of being chased and then uh, uh and then evading capture as secret apothecary murderer i think that would have tied it up better for me i think i would have believed like oh maybe eliza was right all along 
like maybe it was magics, right? That like now she's come back as a ghost and is helping Nella find her way. And then they help Caroline find their story. That maybe could have helped me a little bit more. But the fact that it was actually Eliza and Eliza's alive, that was um, harder for me. I think yeah. to accept that magics and the magical realism. Oh, well, Mine's different up. choices could have been made, but. Different choices. Um, I want to go back really quick. Yeah. Um, now, now, the register, Caroline found the register with everybody's names and stuff in it. Obviously, she doesn't know, at least yet, that the reason for it is to remember these women. But it was it just also coming from like the point of view of the author. It's weird that she would have written Caroline throwing the bottle back into the river when that bottle is one of those ways to remember Eliza. So it just kind of felt like just overall oh. it didn't really make sense because she's trying we're trying to remember these women in history, but then the author writes it where we're forgetting something from one of those women. That's a really good point. That's not consistent with kind of the moral of the story that like these hidden histories matter that they have a bigger impact than you know because also that's where like history books were controlled by men too still are um for the most part and so men are trash uh that's just gonna be my <laughs> slogan on your on your podcast now men are trash. Um, if, if, i'm just saying next time you come on and read a you know a quote-unquote feminist book that's gonna be the the signal <laughs> every time bella says men are trash you take a shot and, wow. Uh, that's, and, that's the podcast drinking. I'm not going to make then, it. And we'll be done by 30 yeah. minutes in. I mean, that quote has gotten me into many, many troubles with the men. Because uh, yeah. <laughs> that's often my opinions are not uh, enjoyed by many um, of the opposite sex. Um, sorry, Rico. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, tangent. You know, sorry. A little bit of a tangent. But it's fine. Always had my opinions. Men are trash. Yeah. Um, no. Women You're not are better wrong. off without him. You're not wrong. You know, but uh, yeah. Speaking so. of trash men, that's another question I wanted to ask both of you. Oh. About halfway through the book, um, James, the, the trash husband, has already arrived in London. Toxic. Um, and you get the sense that these two storylines are eventually going to converge of 1790s, mm. murdering men. And then this husband is here who has been in Faithful and has yes. showed up in London and, Definitely that, some and, now, and now Caroline is discovering this history about poisoning men. Did either of you think that she was going to poison him? No. 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 She's not the, no. her personality is just the type of person that she is. I didn't see her doing it. I didn't even see her leaving him. Like I was worried she was going to go back to him. So I, I was scared of that too. Her. I was scared of that too. Yeah. I didn't see her murdering him. Again, the amount of like self-awareness, self-reflection, and self-growth that happened in this short time <laughs> period was so unrealistic. Um, I thought she would not get back to him fully, but just kind of like, okay, like I'm going to come back with you to the States. We're going to like maybe try some counseling, right? Like maybe give him another chance, like realizing like exits aren't like, I thought she would learn a lesson from the poison of like, Sometimes you you like you can't just end relationships. You have to work on them um, if you want what you want, which is like she didn't want a kid, right? Like that was a big goal for her, and she did acknowledge like by leaving him, she would not have a child for even longer than had already occurred. 
Um, which again, a lot of self-growth that should not have happened in this amount of time. Cause she was very obsessed with like getting pregnant. Um, so yeah, I, I, I didn't, I didn't think she was going to murder him. I actually thought she'd learn the opposite lesson, like to work on relationships and not to just like take the easy way out by murdering or in the modern day equivalent, like walking away. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, I thought it was, I, but I think that's an interesting point. Like when the eucalyptus did happen, I was like, wait, did something happen? Did she have like a total, like, is she the unreliable narrator? Was she actually lying <laughs> to us the whole time? And she is, this was all a plot to like hide her poison ideas, like by looking at the register and like writing that stuff down. Was that her like, oh, no, 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 no. I was just doing research for this like bottle. So that I had a theory, I had a theory of what happened, which turned out to be immediately wrong, um, which is fine. But okay. he, he's he's not feeling well, and he says, "I don't think it was food poisoning. It's clearly something more than that, right? He's coughing up blood. It's not just food poisoning. Like yeah. he got poisoned." Um, and so I'm like, "Why did that happen?" Um, the only possible explanation I had is something with the vial that was in her bag. Like, was I, there any sort of residue oh, in there yeah. or something? But that didn't really make sense. So I was trying to think, where would he have been poisoned? Well, Who would have poisoned him? And it so I was like, poison. oh, I wonder if this apothecary still exists. Like, Eliza carried it on and it's been carried on like, through, oh. through time, generations, generations. And what if somebody who runs it now was at the Italian restaurant, overheard them arguing about him being unfaithful, and then took it upon themselves to poison him? Like, what if it evolved to be just an actual serial killer who just kills people? That's where I thought it might go. And then immediately, it was like, oh, no, he drank eucalyptus oil. Oh, my God. Just kidding. I thought I had a crazy <laughs> active imagination, but I think you just surpassed <laughs> even... Because I'm definitely the person that's like, I really thought this book was going to go on this like totally different story. And I convinced myself of it. It's why I'm so into Taylor Swift conspiracy theories. Um <laughs> That's a whole, that's a whole okay. other podcast, Oops. you guys. Okay. Woodvale, Woodvale, I really believed in it. For anyone out there, that's a Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift fan. Um, but yeah, I let my imagination get the better of me. And I definitely go off on the, like, this is going to happen. This is a thing. Um, that's why I like people watching, too. Um, but, but no, you just proved that. <laughs> my imagination doesn't even compare because I didn't even go there. Um, at no point was I thinking modern day serial killer i uh, i had I wondered, a theory but it wasn't that either i wondered if there would be like if eliza had taken up the mantle and that's what the magic shop was um and that maybe she would find a connection like like she maybe would find those kids and then trace them down and like find her great 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 granddaughter and maybe it was actually like oh there is an apothecary but it's like some hipster thing in london like that's where my brain went after the fact uh, but at no point did I think there was a modern day serial killer, Rico. Well, I, I, I love you for going there. It's very <laughs> I'll, put it, I'll put it in my fanfic. Yeah. I still... Along with gay relationship, please. Yeah, yes. obviously. Yes. That needs to happen. Thank you. Um, when I was reading this, I still thought this was going to be a fantasy somehow and that magic was going to really be a thing. So <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe it's like... Like in Supernatural, where a ghost is attached to an item, so maybe Nella or Eliza is attached to this vial, and, you know, she's carrying around this vial with her, so if there's a ghost there, it's gonna know what's going on with her husband, so maybe this ghost is killing him for her. That would have been good, too. 
Honestly, that's more realistic than Rico's theory in my head. Look, we're not... that really checks out for me. <laughs> okay. Like, I, I'm with wow. you, Laura. I well, see the look, logic. I'm Jason not here for real time. I'm too. here for a good time, all right? I want a good story. Give me um, I thought serial you killer. Like, I thought you like urban fantasy. Wouldn't that be yeah. kind of urban fantasy? <laughs> if, if we're going into, like, magical realism and the ghosts are with Caroline, it would make sense that they'd be attached to the bottle. Like, that actually... Kind of checks out for me. Uh, modern day serial killer. Don't know where you got that. There was no no hint. To <laughs> well, look, it, it's, it's no not illusions. Well, he went into it knowing that it That's wasn't saying, a fantasy. Yeah, it's not a fair comparison. My theories may have been different if I thought it was a fantasy, and Laura's may have been different if she knew it wasn't. Well, but you admitted you thought magical realism was an element present in the book. No, no, I didn't. Reading it until the very end. Until the very, until the very end. end. Yeah, and that's what Laura's talking about. It's like the bottle. And I could see it at the end. With the but the bottle, the bottle, this happened like around the middle yes. of the book. We didn't get the ghosts and the jumping off the bridge yet when he got poisoned. I don't just, it makes sense to me. You just, you're illogical in my. Wow. You're, you're, you're siding with her because she's a woman yeah, and <laughs> men are trash. Yep. Wow. <laughs> Sexist. Sorry. Sorry. Not sorry. Wow. <laughs> That's so cool to say. I don't know. I'm such a millennial. <sighs> Sorry, Gen Z. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anything else? Or did we cover everything? I don't know. I think, oh, well, what would you guys rate the book? Oh, I, I want you guys to go first. Oh, Overall. Um, On Goodreads, what are you rating it? Okay, well, Goodreads right now. Oh, I didn't rate it yet. <laughs> Goodreads right now has an average rating of 3.84 out of um, over 65,000 ratings. I asked what you would rate it, Rico. I know, I'm just giving, I didn't give you the listener's context so that we can judge on the average. I personally would give it uh, four out of five stars. I I enjoyed it, but it it wasn't, there were some leaps you needed to make, so. Okay, Laura? Um, I would, I would probably give it three and a half, but since I can't do halves, I'm giving it a four because I still really enjoyed it. Okay. I'm gonna give it a three. <laughs> I had a lot of I had a lot of issues with it overall. I mean, I think for her first book, it's it's pretty good. Um, considering it's her first, I would give her a four. For doing like a really good job, but over as a standalone book, like without mm-hmm. that context, I would give it a three, but I would still recommend it to people. Um, I definitely like my one of my book club friends, we talk like every day and I was like, this book I'm reading, I think you would like it. Like, it's not the best book, but you would like it. Like, you should read it if you have a few hours of your time or I guess a couple days for normal people um, to read this book. Do it. It's pretty good. I mean, yeah. it's it's an it's easy a, read. It's an easy. It's so entertaining. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, it really flew by. Like, it was not a hard book to like sit down and read. I think the two timelines really helped break it up. Like at times when Caroline was being annoying, we switched to Nella, and when Nella was being too much, it was Eliza, and then when Eliza was too much, it would be Nella or Caroline. You know, like it just. I think it kept it fresh. Um, switching it up. Um, I move along. I think also too, if if anybody likes audiobooks, I thought it was really interesting that um, they had a different narrator for each character because each character or each each chapter is from a different character's perspective. So that was kind of cool that they changed who it was and you could um, 
audibly identify who was talking. So that made it a little more engage, engaging. The audiobook was definitely easier to follow. And I ultimately switched to that um, because I did like the different voices. I think that really helped. Like Eliza felt like Eliza, Nella felt like Nella, and Caroline felt like Caroline. They didn't feel like the same person, which can happen with first-time authors um, who haven't learned how to develop voices, right? Mm -hmm. I think that she chose a pretty advanced trick for her first book, and I think she pulled it off pretty well. Um, That part I would give the, the device use, narration devices used. That would be a five out of five for me. Overall... Overall, a three, though, still. Because <laughs> <laughs> of those gaps that I've mentioned and men are trash, James James really brought it down for me. But, That's yeah. fair. That's fair. Yeah. He was he was awful to read. He was not a yeah, good character. I didn't, no, I didn't like him at all. Fucking when he was involved, it was like... Douchebag. Yeah, total douche. Ugh. Just, who the fuck? Like, your wife is like, you cheated on me. Can I have some space? Like, who the fuck spends $3,000 to chase her and when she didn't want to be chased? And then he's like, are you calling me a predator? Like, yeah, you're fucking harassing Yeah, so I'm a fucking manipulative. That's who does that yeah. shit. You're, you're trash. Get out of here. So, yeah, overall, overall pretty good. And I <laughs> I'll, I'll be you. killing him in my fanfic, don't worry. Yeah, he's Thank getting you. poisoned. Yeah. He's getting poisoned in that fantasy. The serial killer is going to go to the States. Like, actually, like, she should put poison in the eucalyptus oil in your fanfic. Like, <laughs> okay. She should anticipate it. Like, Nella told me to do it, and I don't know what came over me, but I put some of that Nox, uh, whatever it was called. Uh, Vomica. Nox Vomica. Vomica. That, was a, that was a cool poison name. Yeah, I was like, oh. It really, like yeah, a, it was. <laughs> that was a badass one. I was like, ooh. Where do I get that? Cool thing also about the book that I would add into my recommendation for reading this. At the end of the book, it gives a couple recipes for people to make. Uh, Bella, did you not see this in the book? Um, well, because I read the audiobook. The second oh, one. at the very end of the book, there are some, there are a glossary of poisons that are taken from in-story notes that say what these poisons would be good for. And also, there are a couple recipes. I think for two drinks <laughs> and and biscuits. Melt your face. I'm, just, I'm discovering it for the first time, you guys. I can testify that Rico is right. This is where real books are amazing. You can't you can't see this beautiful cover that I'm holding up for Rico and Laura, who have the book, yeah. acting like I'm fucking Oprah over here. With <laughs> um, but the cover is beautiful, and those recipes look really interesting. I'm recently engaged, so maybe I'll wait for my first anniversary to bring out those poisons. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> experiment, you know, get get the, the, the measurements right. But I would just recommend if you get the book, uh, jump sure. to the back, look at those recipes and maybe yeah. try them out as you're reading the book. Um, I didn't know they were there until I was done with the book, but if it could I, be fun. If I wasn't so good at baking, I, I could make it realistic to get those measurements wrong. But uh, I, think, I think I'd be found out pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no one will believe you. Oops. Especially after listening to this podcast, uh, Your Honor, she said men are trash at least twenty <laughs> times. <laughs> if we were drinking, we'd be trash right now. Are you sure this isn't a drinking podcast? <laughs> it will be. It will be after this. Yeah, I think I think my segments at the very least should have more alcohol involved. Uh, All right, next time. Next time we're on. Next time. Okay, so we overall enjoyed it, and yeah. Bella, I know you said you'd recommend it. Laura, would you recommend it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I would too. If you like um, historical fantasy or mysteries, I think it's fun enough to read. 
Now, if you've read it and enjoyed this book, um, we do have a couple of recommendations for you. Um, Laura, did you want to give your recommendation? I I don't think I've really read very many like historical fiction type stuff. So I don't really know very many things to recommend other than I just recently read Kingdom of the Wicked by Carrie Maniscalco. Um, I don't know what time period it takes place in because I don't think it ever really says, but that is definitely uh, more about like magic and like demons and is it a fantasy yes (laughs) it's it's not it's not just a historical fiction mystery (laughs) this one does have magic in it so um i would recommend that one cool uh bella do you have any uh, recommendations you like to give um also with laura i don't read a lot of historical fiction but i actually did just read one that i really really loved um it's called a hundred words for rain Um, it's also a debut novel for this author whose name I wrote down, but can't seem to find. And it's, it's really great. It's set in World War II Japan, a little bit before World War II Japan, during World War II Japan and afterwards. Um, and it gets a little bit international, but I won't say how, um, you'll have to read it to find out. But, um, it's really interesting. The author wrote about a biracial Japanese, um, black American woman. So she was born to a Japanese mother and a black African-American father who was stationed in Japan before World War II. Um, And she's born out of wedlock. Her mother leaves her husband for her father, um, but her her father ends up dying and her mother leaves her at four years old with her maternal grandparents who are Japanese royalty before World War II. And colorism is such a thing. Uh, Japan is a homogeneous group um or homogeneous sorry homogeneous 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 think homogeneous homogeneous homogeneous, yeah so homogeneous group i think i'm (laughs) bringing some british saying in there (laughs) um homogeneous culture um and so anyone outside of the norm is very much looked down upon and as royalty uh she is seen as a stain on their history um, and is controlled and abused as a result, and you get the rest of the story. And it's very, very interesting. Um, it has nothing to do with magical realism, but it is good historical fiction. Um, and I read that book in four hours. I was I, I stayed up all night to read it. I went to bed at like three a.m. Um, highly recommend. Like I started it as like, oh, this is going to be like a really nice leisurely read, and I finished it in a freaking evening. Um, I was exhausted the next day, but, um, as my bio says, only certain books get into the all nighters club. And that was an all nighter book. And it was fantastic. Um, the other one I mentioned earlier was, um, the silent patient that is a mystery, you know, psycho thriller novel, um, and also has to do with a murder mystery, um, specifically. So very interesting. And also kind of the dynamics of like, manipulative manipulative partners cheating revenge you know justice um very very interesting highly recommend also set in britain in london so um yeah give it a go if you like british people um go ahead and (laughs) and read that one um and that one also has like different timelines two narrators with very different perspectives so yeah 
Very similar. Very similar. It reminded me of that. And if I hadn't read that first, I think this book would have been better. But that author mm. did a much better job with the murder mystery um, and surprise twists that uh, I think I think this it definitely overshadowed this book. So nice. read this one first. Read The Lost Apothecary, then do The Silent Patient. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Um, I have two recommendations. Um, the first one that came to mind, which immediately made me think of this book, and I referenced it earlier, is The Witches of New York by Amy McKay. It is a historical fiction fantasy. It's set in 1880, and it's about two women who run a tea shop that caters to Manhattan's high society ladies. It's tea. Yeah, I know. Uh, tea? Yeah, tea. tea. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, and they, they specialize okay. in cures, palm readings, and potions, and in guarding oh, the wow. secrets of their clients. So instead of Ooh. apothecary, it's a tea shop. So very similar, historical fiction, set in Oof. Manhattan instead of London. Um, but then one day, a young girl arrives at their door looking for employment. And that's when things get weird and dangerous. Are and that's when the, the story. Books? I was about They're to very, say, very is similar. this like a retelling? <laughs> no, this one came out. Years before, um, hmm, or this one might be retelling that. I don't know. Um, yes, but it's very, very interesting. I, I read it last year, two years ago, and I absolutely loved it. Um, again, about three main women. Um, great, great, great. Um, and then the other one I recommend is Magic for Liars by Sarah Gailey. This one is a contemporary urban fantasy about a private investigator who's hired to investigate the gruesome murder of a faculty member at her twin sister's private magical academy. So think murder mystery set in Hogwarts. Oh, so Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's 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 this one. This one is more magical realism. It, it happens Ooh, to take okay. place in a world where magic exists and at a magical school, but it's definitely focused on the private investigator who would be a muggle. Oh, okay. That was going to be my question. Yeah, yeah. So the sister has no magic. The other sister does have magic. That's why she's faculty at the school. And it's an American school. The school is actually set, is based in the Bay Area. Silver morning? (laughs) It's like Sunil. Anyway, if you're from California, it's pretty close to us. But uh, yeah. And even if you are, you still may not know where that is because I don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I'm very. I know the Bay the, Area. Yeah, <laughs> I I recognize That's why I just that Bay area geographic first. area. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so those are my two recommendations, and also kind of two other really quick ones, just because I got Edgar Allan Poe vibes, kind of. Um, I just recommend checking out his work. And also I kind of got Dan Brown vibes a little bit reading this. Dan Brown writes the, the Robert Langdon books. So like mm-hmm. the Da Vinci Code, Angels and Demons. Those are all like historical based mysteries. Um, so if you like that element, check those out too. And that's all I got. Cool. Excellent recommendations. All right. I think we are done. Bella, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I had a blast. Yeah, this Thank is fun. You. Yeah, thanks yeah. for all your insight and your opinions. <laughs> if there's one takeaway from this, it is men are trash. trash. <laughs> um, do you want to tell people where they can find you? You can find me on my very inactive social media channels <laughs> that I'm working on doing better on posting. <laughs> uh, Instagram at Bella underscore Romero, B-E-L-L-A. R-O-M-E-R-O. 
Um, and Twitter is at Bella underscore Romero underscore. Um, so those are all of my social medias. I'm also on Goodreads and I'm working on updating that because I don't use it as often as I should, but I also don't read as often as I should. So it's pretty on par with my actual activity. So thank you guys for having me on here, though. I'm excited. And let's see if you invite me back. <laughs> we will. Maybe That's we'll. That's definitely <laughs> will. We will. Well, we, have to, we have to drink next time, right? <laughs> I mean, we really we really should be doing like alcohol pairings with these books like this book made me want to drink tequila this book made me want to drink vodka i needed to really forget it <laughs> well mentioning to laura i wish I, I wish we knew about the recipes because they have a drink recipe it would have been great to do an alcoholic version of that while drinking like a cookie or something yeah so oh yeah we should be sipping on some tea and biscuits yeah yeah next time next time it was a missed opportunity. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, as always, if you've read this book and have any thoughts, please let us know what you think on our social media. We want to hear your thoughts, what you agreed with, what you didn't agree with. Is Nella a bad guy? Are men trash? Just because you're a bad guy doesn't mean you're a bad guy. Um, okay. <laughs> okay, I think that wraps it up. Thanks so much for listening, guys. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, Laura. Thanks, Bella. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Bye. This episode of Shit We've Read has been an Oblivion Geeks production, hosted by Laura Benson and Jason Rico, with music by Joshua Chilton. To join the discussion on this and all other books we've read, find us at Shit We've Read on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. For episode transcripts and more information about us, please visit shitweavered.com. This podcast is part of the Bilo Network. Visit bilonetwork.com for more great geeky podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.